Black Girls in Media podcast's main mission is to educate, encourage, and inspire women of all ages and fields of media. We use our own life experiences, guest tips, and Black culture to move our stories. We aim to teach, uplift, and guide all of our listeners to find ways to connect the dots to achieve their dreams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Black Girls in Media, the podcast. I am your co-host, Kelly Ray. I'm your girl, Dante Ramos. And I'm Shelby D. Smith. And today we have a really special episode for you all here at Black Girls in Media. Not only do we like to focus on journalism and PR and marketing, but also social media is a big part of what we do and who we are. And so today we are joined by our guest, Morgan Fitzpatrick, who is a influencer and she is just doing the dang thing getting all the brand deals and just really killing it on social media right now and so we just want to talk to her really quickly and get her experience not only as an influencer but a black influencer and just kind of some of the pros and cons that go along with that so hi Morgan how are you today Hi, I am well. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's going to be great because the tea will be spilled. Okay. Um, But just to give you guys just a brief overview of who I am and what I do. I am the founder and current CEO of my um, own company that I founded my uh, sophomore year of college uh, called MTF Cosmetics. Um, as well as a beauty, fashion, and lifestyle influencer. And then I am also (laughs) the five to nine, like Shelby likes to say. Um, I am a senior uh, marketing coordinator at Carousel Technologies. So I got a lot going on, but thank you again for having me. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. So first, really quickly, we just want to kind of start off with, you know, what made you decide to kind of go into being an influencer and doing all of the mini hats that you just talked about? Yes, well, it kind of just naturally happened. Um, I've always been into beauty, fashion. I've always, you know, shared what products I'm using. I've always, you know, shared where, you know, I got my outfits from, all of the fun stuff that goes into beauty and fashion. And I would say a little over a year ago, I just noticed like a shift in the air happening because the crazy part about this now that um, I was on the brand side of influencer marketing first because I quote unquote was a entrepreneur before I was an entrepreneur and influencer. So it kind of, it was just a shift in the air. I didn't just wake up one day and was like, this is what I want to do. It kind of just all flowed together. Um, As I learned more about the influencer industry, I was like, well, this is kind of what I'm already doing, but I'm just not really getting paid and I don't know how to get paid. Um, and I didn't, it's crazy fast forwarding to now because literally, um, I shared this on my Instagram stories about like two months ago, I was scrolling through some MTF cosmetics admin work. And I actually found an ebook that I had written 
for influencers from the brand perspective. And I was like, it's just a full circle moment because I'm actually on both sides now. Um, so yeah, and I had been following, um, her name is Brittany Bright. I don't know if you guys know, okay. A few of you guys uh, know of her, um, you know, she started the Influencer League and that was really the very first time that it really clicked for me, just following her work and what she does and how she's an advocate for Black women and Black men getting paid in the influencer industry. And I was like, hmm, like I've been reaching out to influencers to work with me for MTF Cosmetics, but my personal page, I could do it on the personal page as well, aside from the brand um, perspective. So she actually, um, she had tweeted about a few different, you know, influencer agencies and influencer websites where you actually can sign up and um, apply to different campaigns. And at the time that I registered um, for one of the uh, influencer agency, you know, uh, websites, there was a campaign for Tampax up. And I was like, you know what, I don't know any of my engagement. I don't know nothing about analytics or anything like that. So I just applied. And, you know, a month later, they emailed me back. It was like, hey, you've been accepted to the campaign. So that was my very first campaign. And that's pretty much like how it came to be. And I just, as I learned more, I began to get a little bit more intentional um, I didn't really straight dive deep into it, like how I am now, um, because I was still learning. Um, but that's pretty much how I got started. Yeah. Speaking of intentional, I feel like now that you reflect back, your uh, path was very, how can I say, strategic. It was very right. intentional since how you're saying you, you worked both sides. Now, coming from an influencer who may not have that type of access and, and knowledge to work both sides, what would you say um, would be a tip to give to people who want to start into influencing? So the biggest tip that I have and the biggest thing that I always say is to really like, just do it, just get started. Um, I feel like when you first realize that this is something that you want to do, I feel like when it comes to content creation and just influencing in general, a lot of us tend to overthink the content when really we just need to focus on being ourselves. And I'm also a strong advocate for using what you have to get started as well. Like you don't need the fancy lights. You don't need the fancy camera. You don't need to know how to do Photoshop, Illustrator, all of these fancy editing tools and software to get started because I didn't buy my first little, you know, vlogging camera until 2020 in the summertime. So all of my pictures were with an iPhone or with, um, you know, my photographer friends that do take my pictures from time to time. But up until this very moment, I still take pictures with my iPhone. Obviously, like the editing and um, the clarity has gotten better because I know more and I know how to edit now. I know what I like. I know that I can, you know, take my tripod, go out in the streets for 30 minutes and get the shots that I need. But, you know, when I was first starting, I literally, when I would go out to brunch, you know, pre-COVID times. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, just get my friends, hey, can you flick me up real quick? But also 
I'm blessed to have friends that are patient enough with me to take my pictures and are patient enough with me to learn my angles and stuff like that. Not everybody has that because I know I have some friends that I can go to to take my pictures and some friends are like, mm, pass the camera, pass the camera. Yep. So that's where, you know, tripod comes in and a tripod is only a, you know, 20, $25 investment. So it's just like, are you going to let, you know, that fear of not having the right equipment, you know, stop you from your blessings? Because I tell you now, still some of your favorite influencers who are booked and paid still use their iPhone and are booked months in advance, $200,000 in campaigns and are, you know, living life, having a blast. So that would be my biggest piece of advice is to really just get started. Thank you for that. Great advice. Yeah, that's a good gem. Um, as somebody who has experience within branding and then personal influencing, I know a lot of it has to do with community and engagement. So how would you say to build a community for engagement instead of just following? Yes. So when it comes down to social media, it's networking. So you can't build a community without talking to people. Um, so you know, a year, a little over a year ago or so, you know, I would reply back to comments, you know, here and there, but I would mainly just like them. But once you realize that, hey, I'm booking these campaigns and, you know, I need people to show up and, you know, everything that comes with, you know, planning a campaign and stuff. And you're like, well, people ain't really engaging. Well, it's because you aren't engaging. So, you know, you have to reply back to those comments because at the end of the day people are taking the time out of their scroll to like and comment on your photo so it's just like you have to be willing to take that time back and you know comment back and it can't just be you know that's something that I've learned um and I, I still got to work on it myself but like and reply back with quality comments not just emojis like if you are asking a question in your caption and somebody replies back like oh my goodness, I love this so much, you know, reply back with a follow-up question. You know, how was your day? I hope you're having a good day because you replying back to that person's comment makes them feel special. And they're like, oh, you know, Morgan has 12,000 followers and she just took the time out of her day to reply back to me. I'm gonna keep engaging with her. And, you know, it's, it's all about communication and building that trust. So at this point, I've, I'm still building my community, but people know that they can come to me for a certain thing and I'm going to always deliver because I've shown up for myself and I've also shown up for them. And the same thing goes with like DMs. When people reply to your stories or if people DM, me, DM you, ask you for like, hey, you posted you know, this dress two weeks ago. I can't find it anymore. Can you help me out? Reply back to those comments take the time to reply back to those comments, those DMs. And the same thing goes for me. So my, the people that I follow, it goes hand in hand, like both ways. So I have to make sure that I'm reaching out, liking, commenting, sharing, reposting, you know, sending my DMs. And it literally takes two seconds to reply a DM or, you know, type a reaction to somebody's story. So in terms of social media and, and building community, it's all about that. It's really about that networking aspect and 
talking to people and having conversations because if you aren't having conversations with people who come to your platform, you are not servicing yourself and you're not servicing them because at the end of the day, people are following you for a reason. So if people are coming to your page for the fashion content, then that's a key to me that I need to continue to post fashion content because that's what people are showing up for and vice versa. So if I know I post, you know, something random like health or something like that, you know, I, you know, I don't really have quote unquote that healthy following of, you know, all fitness people. So is that content necessarily going to do well? You know, it might, but that's where talking to the people that follow you and the people that you're following to see what it is that they like and what they want to see from you. So talking and having those conversations with people for sure. And it's so you because I can remember at one point I was doing something about Zuri Hall. She's one of like my favorite journalists. And I like tagged her in a comment and she responded. And I was like, oh my God, Zuri Hall just answered me. Like, oh, like I can't even believe this right now. And so it made me want to like keep looking at her stuff and keep commenting and keep, you know, like staying on her page more actively, hoping that she will respond back to me. And so, you know, we kind of like expect that with like celebrities or people that we look Mm -hmm. up to, but sometimes we don't realize that as influencers, even as micro influencers, there are sometimes people that feel like that about you like oh my goodness you know I love Morgan I love Dante I love Shelby I love right. their content and oh my goodness they just answered my question it just makes them keep coming back for more so I'm so right. glad that you said that you spoke so elaborately about knowing what your followers are coming to so you mentioned over if they like fashion you see those views going up to keep going and I know that's niche um, but how did you know what your niche and your influ- and your followers were loving based off your influencing? Yes. Um, when it comes down to seeing what people like, there's two things that you go by. You could go by, you know, of course, your comments, your likes, your shares, and, you know, your reposts. If you get high engagement, let's say I post a fashion picture and I get high engagement on that, then I know that that's what people want to see. And that also transfers into seeing your analytics on the post as well. So I like to do um, like audits each month and at the end of the week to see what content performed best out of everything that I posted. And if I know that this post didn't do that well, Granted, the IG algorithm, they be playing with people nowadays. So it's terrible. It is absolutely terrible. terrible. You just never know. But the goal is to figure out what people like and constantly recreate that. Okay. Each time. So analytics and, and seeing, you know, how your engagement is doing under those posts. So I like to take the first, you know, nine posts. And when I need to uh, pick me up or when I need a refresh to see, okay, my engagement hasn't been the best. Let me see what it is and what needs to be adjusted. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how I figure it out. And so because you are obviously putting in the time, putting in the work to, you know, really connect with your audience and your community, how did you know that it was time to start getting paid? Honestly, um, when brands started reaching out to me, honestly, 
Um, granted, when I first started, I didn't realize how much I should be getting paid or how much I could be getting paid. Um, but yeah, once Brian started reaching out and once I did my own research, I was like, okay, it, it's weird because you know that all the famous IG celebrities, you know that they begin paid to post. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to just regular, regular folks like us, it's like, wait, I can get paid for posting this by like working with a brand. It's kind of like interesting. So it's, it's, it's weird, but definitely when brands started reaching out and when I did that first um, campaign with Tampax and I got compensation for that, I was like, okay, so basically each time I work with a brand, I'm trying to get paid basically. And so, you know, one of the things that you mentioned really quick just now was, you know, you realize you should be, not only should you be getting paid, but how much you should be getting paid. So there's a flyer circulating around that says black influencers are getting paid less than white influencers. And there's kind of some controversy around it because I've seen both sides. I've seen some influencers say that is true and some say that it's not. So what are your thoughts on it? saying that it's not true (laughs) I would like to have a word with whoever said it's not true but it's from my perspective it's definitely true and I know firsthand because you know I have a lot of influencer friends and we talk about this stuff all the time like hey hey Morgan yeah I was about to take this deal but I actually know another influencer who is doing this same deal and they got offered more money than I did so it's just like there are while we're here, there are benefits of building community because you get to have those conversations. Compared, me and one of my influencers friends, we got the same campaign deal sent to us. She was offered more money. I wasn't. Like, it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely true. For sure. For sure. Wow. So how do you negotiate that or even have that conversation with brands to be like, um, hey, I'm going to need a little bit more income? <laughs> yes, this is something that I'm actually still um, working to navigate. But for me personally, I base it off of the content that I know that I can create. I base it off my following. I base it off the engagement that I get. Obviously, now I've worked with, you know, a list full of brands. So it's just like, if you ain't trying to give me some coins and it's just like uh, to the side, but don't let the fear of negotiating stop you because there are influencers and content creators that have 5,000 followers that are doing this full time mm-hmm. and are paying their bills. And I have 12,000 followers. One of my influencer friends has about 7,000 followers and is doing content creation full-time. So it's, you know, you really have to just really start navigating and, and testing it out and see, throw a number out there and see what they say. And, you know, if they say no, okay, no just means not right now, or you need to do some more negotiating. One thing that I've started doing is not straight up saying no to a brand because they can't pay me what I asked for, figure out another way that you can work with them. Okay, if I know this brand can only pay me X amount of money because they have a certain budget that they can't go over, 
ask, well, I'd be willing to, you know, take X amount if you guys could offer me a discount code because I've reached the point now where I know that I can sell and I know that I can get people to buy something when I post about it, whether that be on my stories, whether that be on my feed. So regardless, the full amount that I want it is going to come back to me regardless, whether it be that uh, check that they send as well as the commission that comes in from the discount code. So it's just like kind of navigating it and, and working it out, you know, if they can't say yes to doing a feed in post, okay, well, see if you can negotiate the rate to do a story. Because we're at a point where it's like, so many people are learning and so many black content creators and influencers are learning that we're at a point where no money can be left on the table. So it's kind of like figuring out how to negotiate and it doesn't just have to be negotiating the money. It could be negotiating the deliverable rather than the money amount. Do you feel that influencing uh, is becoming oversaturated? Absolutely. It's, it's 100% oversaturated. But with that being said, I just tell people like, you have to look at every industry there is. Like so many Targets around the world, so many Walmarts around the world, so many, you know, auto shops around the world, gas stations, like everything. So it's just like, it is oversaturated, but when you bring something new, fresh and creative to the field and you really know what it is that you're doing and you know your purpose, you're gonna stand out regardless. And uh, also, I feel like very often on the Black Girls and Media podcast, we have this conversation of like journalism versus influencers. And uh, very often we see that influencers are now doing like hosting red carpets and they're doing the talk shows and they're getting, you know, get to do all these type of things. Um, what are your opinions on that? Because you're speaking to people who are kind of trickling into both. So what is your standpoint on that type of stuff? I love it. I'm all for expanding, you know, your network and expanding the type of work that you do. Um, a good example of this would be Jackie Ina, been on YouTube for 10 years, just started the candle brand, the lifestyle brand is stepping into other things. And I think it's good. It's, it's amazing to see, um, influencers do other things because a lot of the times people look at influencing and content creation as just posting pretty pictures when in reality, there are 10 other steps before y'all even see that picture that goes, that, that takes place. So I'm really, you know, here for, you know, influ influences having their own podcast, you know what I'm saying? Working with, you know, other brands to, you know, like, like Jackie and Too Faced, she helped them develop more, you know, colors for Black women, stuff like that. Like, I love it. I absolutely love it because, you know, that also provides, you know, other streams of income for real, for real. So I'm, I'm here for it for sure. So for those individuals, I know I missed some things because my Wi-Fi ended up taking <laughs> me out. Um, but I know one of the things we had written down here was for those individuals who wanted to get started in influencing, how much do you suggest they charge? And if you went off a certain ballot and how you kind of determined how to do that? Yeah, um, I actually, there are a bunch of different like engagement equations and everything that um, 
you know, you can look up when you're first trying to get started. But honestly, for me, I just started throwing numbers out there. <laughs> like for real. Like I really was like, hmm, three hundred dollars. Four hundred. I have to agree. When like, I first started, I threw out numbers. Because when you're first getting started, you really don't have anything to go off of, especially if you haven't worked with a brand before. So it's kind of just like, hmm. Let me just throw three hundred dollars out there, see what happens, see what the response I get to it. If it's good, okay, well, the next campaign that I get, you know, let me aim for a little higher. And, and, and once you really start coming into your own and building community and doing research on your own, you'll kind of start to see, you know, how other influencers are charging. And also, once you even build community and build that trust, there are influencers out there who will be willing to hop on calls with you and tell you, you know, I got paid X amount and, you know, you're just getting started. So I think you should charge, you know, X amount, but no money left on the table regardless. And with that being said, when first getting started, since you don't necessarily have content created because you are just getting started, that's where I think doing campaigns for free and gifting campaigns go hand in hand because it's just like, yes, you want to get paid, but you also have not done this before so you need to start somewhere um so I definitely I agree with doing campaigns for free if you feel like it's going to be worth it in the end um and that's I feel like that's typically how a lot of us get started anyways you know we get that email from a brand saying hey we can give you a discount code we'll send you the product can you post this for free you know nine times out of ten all your favorite influencers have done it I've done it. I still do it to this day because I feel like if your favorite brand, you pitch to your favorite brand and they actually, you know, get back to you, but, you know, you're just getting started compared to, you know, an influencer who has 10,000 followers. She's worked with the brand before and she has a good ROI compared to you just now pitching to them. You don't really have any content on your feed that, you know, really appeals to them, but, you know, they say yes anyways, but you know, they don't necessarily have a budget for you, but they can gift you, you know, free items or give you a discount code. It's kind of like, are you going to pass up that opportunity to get started, especially if it's quote unquote, a dream brand of yours. So I definitely agree with when you're first getting started. Um, Definitely, definitely. There's nothing wrong with gifting campaigns um, at all or doing work for free because you know, you gotta, uh, we all gotta start somewhere. And I like to use those quote unquote free campaigns as like practice campaigns, you know, even though it is a real campaign, but like, you know, eventually you're gonna start getting paid in bigger brand deals if you keep it consistent. So definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the free campaigns because I see influencers complaining all the time, like, y'all need to run me my check, free products, do not pay the bills. So the fact that you said that um, gave a lot of insight for individuals trying to get into the influencer industry. Right, because it's like you can just pitch the brand and be like, I want to stack when you don't even have that content on your feed yourself because they're going to be looking at you like, well, we don't even know who you are. You're, when you pitch to brands, like you're basically cold pitching, especially if you haven't worked with that brand before. So it's just like, they don't know who you are. They're, the first time that they're even seeing your name or seeing you know, your content in your feed is that first time that you're sending that email. So it's kind of like, 
how are you gonna sit here and say you want a thousand dollars when you don't really have content that represents that on your page so that's why i was like you know there's nothing wrong with taking a little free campaign here and there to to so you can at least create some content and before we run out of time, really quickly, I just want to ask you, what are some ways you think that people can advocate for Black influencers and try to bring more awareness to the, you know, gap in pay? Yeah, I think, one, it also comes down to the, um, the, the, the main four. So when you see a Black creator's content on your feed, you need to save it, you need to share it, you need to comment and you like it. Likes are at the bottom of the list now. Instagram a few years ago, it was all about how many likes you get, but with the change of the algorithm, the most important are the saves and the shares because that triggers Instagram into, hey, people are reposting her stuff and hey, people are saving her stuff. So it must be quality content. And from there, that is how you're gonna get pushed out to more creators who can you know, um, engage with your content. And I think also it really comes down, you know, just with, you know, racism and just just how the world is. I think it's also going to take a shift within these companies as well, like hire more black people, like as well, because it's just like influencing and content creation for black creators. I feel like influencing content creation has always been deemed a white thing, quote unquote, because we didn't really know what it was because we don't have anybody to teach us that. Literally since Pinterest. So I agree with you, girl. Tumblr, Pinterest, 100%. Exactly, where we have to type black girls' hairstyles in Google before it pops up. So, you know, our counterparts have always been ahead of us. And I feel like while, you know, black creators feel like everything is oversaturated right now. Well, you know, we're just really getting introduced to this type of work, really. Be you know what I'm saying? Because if I knew that I personally could be getting paid, I would have started this a year ago because this is something that just fits who I am. I love modeling. I love being from the camera. I love telling people where I got this or from. So I'm just like, more people, you know, in those higher up positions at these marketing agencies, at these PR firms, and just corporate life in general, because it's just like, if I could work my way up and start running influencer campaigns, of course, I'm going to hire Black people, because that's who I resonate with. And that's, you know, I can relate to them. I can't, these influencer campaigns from, you know, you know, I, I love some white creators that I follow because the content do be bomb, but it's just like, you can never relate to me. So I need influencers and content creators working with the brands that I can relate to. Because once I see a black girl post about, you know, these candles or they got this from Target, I'm at Target buying that because she looks like me and she uses it and it works well for her. So of course I'm going to go try it out. So I think it just comes down to, we also just need to support each other. A lot of, you know, our counterparts and these white creators and influencers, they move up so fast because their community supports them back. When it comes to black creators, I hate to be the one to say it, we don't be trying to repost and share or, you know, oh, why, you know, she thinks she all that or da da da. When it's like, we really need to get out of that crab in a barrel mindset because 
yes, it's oversaturated, but literally there's so much money out there in influencer marketing and social media in general. There's room for everybody to, to eat. So I think also uh, welcoming collaboration over competition is definitely going to boost the, you know, this realm of Black creators. Thank you so, so much, Morgan, for hopping on with us today. I really feel like this conversation was beneficial because whenever we were kind of planning and trying to think about what our next episode would be about, and when we saw that flyer going around about the discrepancy and Black influencers pay versus white influencers. We really knew that this was a conversation worth talking about. So thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners and just being a part of this episode. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm always um, down to share the knowledge because at the end of the day, that's, you know, what my platform is about, especially, you know, if I can help um, Black creators and, and, you know, women and men that look like me, uh, in this field, I'm all for it. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And really quickly, can you just go ahead and give out your social media handles and just the best way that our audience can maybe connect with you if they have any further questions or just to follow you and keep up with you? Yes. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. My personal account is at underscore Morgo, M-O-R-G. Oh, oh, two O's at the end. It's my personal account. And if you want to keep up with the biz, you can follow me on um, Instagram at MTF Cosmetics. And then my website is mtfcosmetics.com. Um, and the same handle goes for uh, Twitter for the business side. Perfect. And thank you, audience, for being with us for another amazing episode of this podcast. Make sure you are following BGIM the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok at BGIM Podcast. You can also follow me, Kelly Ray, on Instagram at It's Kelly Ray. You can follow me, Dante, at Dante's Inferno. And you can follow me, Shelby D. Smith, at Shelbs D. Smith. And till next time, guys. Bye, guys.